Podcastle episode 199 for March 5th, 2012. No, no, wait a minute. Did I say 199? I meant 200. That's right, 200. A suitable present for a sorceress puppet by Garth Nix. Rated PG. Hello, welcome back to Podcastle. Yes, I'm Dave Thompson, and yes, my fellow escapists, my lovely podcastlers, I said 200. But Dave, you say, I listen to you every week. You just ran episode 198, Urchins While Swimming by Cat Valente, last week. So, wouldn't that make... Well spotted me hearties, well spotted and perceived, however... Long-time listeners will no doubt remember years ago we ran a not-so-little story called The Kudondero and the Swede by Daniel Abraham. Yeah, I see the glint in some of your eyes. The Kudondero and the Swede, you say? Yeah, I remember that one. It was episode... Wait, it should have been episode 74, but instead we called it Podcastle Giant No Episode Distinction. And thus, Richard Parks's The Man Who Carved Skulls became Podcastle 74, and ever since then, we've been operating on a faulty number system. I know, I know. It didn't have an episode number. Oh my gosh! That means... That means we've been off by a number for 125 episodes. Okay, okay. Well, we'll keep calling this episode 199 in title, but... Why don't you think about it as a double dose of awesome, two for 200, as we come to our great big celebration next week. And we're going to kick it off this week by bringing back our favorite swashbuckling godlet hunting duo, Sir Hereward and Mr. Fitz, and perhaps their most comical of adventures yet. I say yet because I'm hoping there will be many more adventures. Podcastle is very proud to present a suitable present for a sorceress puppet, by Garth Nix. Originally published in Swords and Dark Magic, the new Sword and Sorcery, edited by Jonathan Strand and Lou Anders. If this is one of the first times you've come to the floating castle in the sky, yeah, this is the third story we've run featuring these characters, but you don't have to read the other two to enjoy it. If you do want to check them out, however, we will link to them in our show notes. Garth Nix was born in Melbourne, Australia, and is the author of Trouble Twisters, which he co-wrote with Sean Williams. In April, his new YA space adventure, A Confusion of Princes, comes out, a story set in a galactic empire where being a superhuman, apparently immortal prince, isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Go figure. Around here, he was best known for his popular Sir Hereward and Mr. Fitz stories. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, please do pick yourselves up an e-copy of Sir Hereward and Mr. Fitz, Three Adventures for $2.99 wherever ebooks are sold. Doing that's a great way to show Garth Nix how much you enjoy his stories and also, you know, maybe an incentive for him to write more of them and maybe even let us feature them here? Maybe? The only suitable reader for this week's Sorcerer's Story would be that man of daring do, Paul Tevis, who's read the previous stories in that series here. You can visit his swashbuckling website at paultevis.com. So... It's time to put on music, it's time to light the lights, it's time to visit Mr. Fitz and enjoy the story tonight. A Suitable Present for a Sorceress Puppet by Garth Nix 
Sir Hereward licked his finger and turned the page of the enormous tome that was perched precariously on a metal frame next to his sickbed. It was not a book he would have chosen to read, or rather to fossick through like a rook searching for seed in a new-sown field, but as it was the only book in the lonely tower by the sea, he had little choice. Having broken two small but important bones in his left foot, he could not range farther afield for other amusements, so reading it had to be. This particular book was entitled The Compendium of Commonplaces, and presented itself as a collection of knowledge that should be at the command of every reasonably educated gentleman of Jericho, a country that had ceased to exist some thousand years before, shortly after the book was printed. The demise of Jericho and the publication of the book were likely not to be connected, though Sir Hereward did notice that the pages were often bound out of order, or the folios were incorrect, and that there was a general carelessness with numbers. Together, these might be symptomatic of the somewhat unusual end of Jericho, a city-state which had defaulted on its debts so enormously that its entire population had to be sold into slavery. The finger-licking was required by the book's long, dark hibernation inside a chest up in the attic of the tower. A thoroughly damp finger was a necessary aid to the separation of the sadly gummed-together pages. Sir Hereward sighed as he turned another page. His enthusiasm for reading had diminished in the turning of several hundred pages, with its concomitant several hundred finger-lickings, for he had found only two entries worth reading. One on how to cheat at a board game that had changed its name but was still widely played in the known world, and another on the multiplicity of uses for the root spice cabazend, some surprising number of which fell into Hereward's professional area of expertise as an artillerist and maker of incendiaries. In fact, Hereward was about to give up and bellow to the housekeeper who kept the tower to bring him some ale, when the title of the next commonplace caught his eye. It was called On the Propitiation of Sorcerous Puppets. As Sir Hereward's constant companion, comrade-in-arms, and one-time nanny, was a sorcerous puppet known as Mr. Fitz, this was very much of interest to the injured knight. He eagerly read on, and though the piece was short and referred solely to the more usual kind of sorcerous puppet, one made to sing, dance, and entertain, he did learn something new. According to Dr. Professor Laxlender Prusen, the author of this particular, far from commonplace entry, all sorcerous puppets shared a common birthday, much in the manner of the priests of a certain number of particularly jealous godlets, who allowed no individuality among their chosen servants, some of them even going so far as the Zarwashian god of bookkeeping and warehouses, who not only refused his servants' individual birthdays, but referred to them all by the same name. Sir Hereward quickly calculated this shared birthday of the puppets, transposing the Tremontic calendar that had been used in Jericho with the more modern adjusted celestial, and discovered that it would occur in a matter of days, depending on whether it was currently the first or second day of what the adjusted celestial calendar prosaically called second month, and the Tremontics had termed Expialamon. As Sir Hereward had been laid up for a week already, and had no urgent matters to attend to, he had rather lost track of the date. "'Sister Gob!' called out Sir Hereward. "'Sister Gob!' Sister Gob was the priestess housekeeper who looked after the tower and its guests, as a representative of the cloister of Narhalet Narhalit. Colloquially known as Narnar, it was a gentle and kindly deity, whose slow but potent healing powers had aided tens of thousands of petitioners over the last several millennia. 
This particular tower was one of the more remote bastions of Narnar's presence upon the Earth, and likely to be abandoned in the not-too-distant future. Hence it was staffed only by Sister Gob, and an as-yet-unseen novice Sir Hereward believed might be called Sisterling Lalit, a name he had overheard being hissed by Sister Gob outside his door the previous evening. There was also a guard, a small but broad-shouldered fellow with a very large axe, who doubtless could call upon Narnar's rather less well-known powers to open wounds that hadn't even happened yet, rather than heal ones that had. Fortunately for all concerned, Narhalet Narhalit was far from a proscribed entity, but a welcome extrusion into the world, so the god and its followers were not an item of business for Sir Herward and Mr. Fitz. Consequently, their discovery of the tower, en route from Tarzan to Basingame, had been a welcome opportunity for the lame and hobbling knight to rest up and let the bones in his foot knit faster than they would anywhere else. Mr. Fitz had also taken their forced rest as an opportunity to engage in some activity that he said had hitherto been impracticable on their travels, though Sir Hereward was not entirely sure what that meant. The sorceress puppet was up to something. He had taken to exploring the sea caves that ate into the cliffs near the tower, and he returned each evening covered in a layer of what looked like salt, suggesting immersion in the ocean and subsequent drying. This was odd in a creature who usually avoided complete submersion, being made of papier-mâché and carved timber, albeit sorcerously altered, but Sir Hereward had not made an inquiry. He knew that Mr. Fitz would tell him of his activities in due course, if there was any need for Sir Hereward to know. Sir? It was not Sister Gob who appeared in the doorway, red-faced and puffing as she always was from the tightly spiraling stair, but a considerably younger and far more attractive attendant, who might have wafted her way upstairs on a beam of sunlight, for she was neither out of breath, nor was her habit or broad-brimmed hat in any disarray. "'I'm Sisterling Lalit,' said the vision. "'Sister Gob has had to go into the village to speak to Bull about the veal to go with the crayfish sauce for your honor's dinner. Is there anything you need?' Sir Hereward continued to stare and failed to answer. It had been some months since he had had even the slightest conversation with a beautiful woman, and he was both surprised and sadly out of practice. But as she continued to stand in the door, with her head down and her face shadowed by her hat, he recovered himself. "'My companion, Mr. Fitz,' he began. "'The puppet, uh, you know—' "'Yes, sir,' said Sisterling Lallet. "'A most wondrous puppet, and so wise!' Yes, uh, just so, said Sir Hereward. He wondered what Mr. Fitz had been talking about with Sisterling Lallet, but he pressed on. It is his birthday on the fourth of second month. Tomorrow, exclaimed Lallet, proving Sir Hereward had been even more careless about the passage of time than he'd thought. She raised her hands and inadvertently looked up to show Hereward a face of great charm and liveliness though sadly marred by the lack of the old and faded facial scars he had been brought up to regard as necessary to true beauty. "'You should have said, it will be a doing to manage a feast.' "'Mr. Fitz does not eat, so a, a feast is superfluous,' said Sir Hereward, with a dismissive wave of his hand. "'However, I wish to give him a present. Given that we are leagues from any shop or merchant, and in any case I cannot for the moment leave my bed, I wondered—' if there might be something suitable in the tower that I might purchase for Mr. Fitz. "'Something suitable?' asked Lalit. She tugged her earlobe and frowned. 
a gesture Sir Hereward found irresistible. "'I don't know.' "'Come and sit by me,' said Sir Hereward. He slid over and patted the mattress by his side. "'To begin with, you can tell me what is in the attic above. Most particularly, a musical instrument would meet the need.' Dr. Professor Laxlender Prusen had written that musical instruments were the usual gift to an entertainer puppet, and Sir Hereward supposed that one might be of interest to Mr. Fitz, who was quite capable of appearing to be an entertainer puppet. He could sing most sweetly, and seemingly play any musical instrument, and dance fascinatingly as well. But Mr. Fitz was not an entertainer puppet, and usually only deployed these talents as a ruse or deception, shortly before unleashing his other, even more greatly developed skills, as a practitioner of arcane arts that were not generally the province of puppets, or of people, for that matter. "'Oh, I'm not allowed to come into your room, sir,' exclaimed Lallet. "'Sister Gob is most strict about who may handle patients, and Mr. Fitz told me of your vow, and I would not wish to accidentally—' "'My vow?' asked Sir Hereward suspiciously. He thought for a moment, and then asked, "'Ah, uh, which one? I have—' made several. To not share the breath of a woman by intent or accident, save a consecrated priestess, of course, till you have finished your pilgrimage to the rood of Basingame, said Lallet innocently. Don't worry, I shall breathe ever so softly and stay in the doorway. I'm grateful, said Sir Hereward, though he felt quite the opposite emotion. About this present for Mr. Fitz— "'Perhaps it is all too difficult,' said Sir Hereward, whose affection for the puppet had encountered a sudden reverse. He turned his head to the side and sighed heavily. "'I shall simply wish him a happy birthday and leave it at that.' "'But there is an instrument in the attic,' said Lallet. "'In the same chest your book came from, there is a mandora, or galichon, of five strings such as my uncle plays, though it is perhaps too large and heavy for Mr. Fitz.' Sir Hereward thought of several occasions when Mr. Fitz had shown his true strength. He remembered those spindly wooden puppet arms inside Mr. Fitz's thin coat, the cuff sliding back as he lifted the archpriest of Lyric Agre above his bulbous head and threw him into the mouth of the volcano, or the time when Fitz had beheaded a slave gladiator below the arena pits of Yarkin. The look of surprise on the fellow's face had matched Sir Hereward's own expression, for Mr. Fitz had been standing on the gladiator's head at the time, and had pulled the tip of the man's own blade back. "'I could fetch it down,' said Lallet, interrupting his reminiscences. "'Sister Gob would set a fair price, I'm sure.' "'Very well,' said Hereward. "'A fine Mandora might be the very thing. If it is not too much trouble, I would like to see it. When is Sister Gob returning?' "'Oh, I will fetch it for you now,' said Lallet. "'Sister Gob won't be back for hours yet.' "'My thanks,' said Sir Hereward. "'But how will you hand it to me, if we must not share our breath?' "'Oh, I can hold my breath for ages,' said Lallet innocently. She demonstrated, taking a deep breath that thrust out her chest. Sir Hereward watched in admiration, tempered by his annoyance at Mr. Fitz. It was uncharacteristic of the puppet to preemptively meddle in Hereward's amorous affairs, and it galled no less to know that it was almost certainly for a good reason.' Lallet held her breath for quite some time before suddenly exhaling, turning her head so her breath went up the stairs. She smiled and followed up to the attic. A minute later, 
Hereward heard her footsteps as she looked around, the oak-planked floor of the attic being the ceiling of his room. The novice returned a few minutes later, carrying a stringed instrument that looked to Sir Hereward like an oversized lute. He could play the lute somewhat, and sing passably, as Mr. Fitz graded his voice, but the knight had done neither for some years. Lallet paused for an intake of breath, and the resultant inflation of her habit at the door, then nimbly crossed the room, deposited the Mandora on the end of Hereward's bed, and retreated as swiftly back to the stair. Hereward leaned forward and took up the instrument. The Mandora was made of ash, with an open rose of ebony inlaid around the sound hole. It was still strung, which surprised him, for it had presumably been there for some lengthy time, and the strings were of a material other than gut, one that he could not immediately recognize. He was about to pluck a note when he saw that the sound hole was obstructed, and that there was something inside the body of the Mandora. Closer investigation revealed it to be a parchment folded into a triangle, which was sealed with wax at each corner. It could not be removed without destringing the instrument, which meant it had been put there on purpose, and the Mandora strung thereafter. Aha! said Sir Hereward. A mystery within the Mandora. What is it? asked Lalit. The novice stood on tiptoe, craned her elegant neck, and took several steps closer. A parchment, said Sir Hereward. He held the Mandora up to the nearer window, so the light fell more clearly through the sound hole. Sealed three ways, and stuck to the body with a red tape and three further seals. I think perhaps this is a matter for... He had been going to say, Mr. Fitz, for the sealed parchment smacked of sorcery, but as the true nature of the puppet was best not revealed even to the servants of friendly gods, he fell silent. Oh, it is exciting, said Lalit. She clapped her hands together and took a further step toward him. What is written on the parchment? Sir Hereward carefully rested the Mandora across his knees and thought. There was something not quite right about Lalit's enthusiasm, the parchment, and the Mandora. He noticed that the instrument's strings were humming slightly, though he had not struck them. They appeared to be aping Lalit's enthusiasm, and Sir Hereward did not like this at all. Nor on closer examination was he sure it was the same Lalit who had returned from the attic. She looked a little taller and thinner, and now that he studied her, he could see that her eyes were too far apart and her hat was on backwards. I shall have to remove the strings, said Sir Hereward, to get the parchment out. I believe there is a spanner in my saddlebag. I shall just fetch it. Sir Hereward's saddlebags were propped against the far wall, under the shuttered window on that side, as were his saber and two holstered wheel-lock pistols, though unfortunately these were neither primed nor loaded. Allow me, said Lallet. Sir Hereward held up his hand as he swung his legs off the bed. No, no. Remember my vow? He hopped over on his right foot and caught hold of the shutter bolt. Might as well have a little more sunshine while the weather holds, said Sir Hereward. He did not think that the thing that had assumed the shape of Lallet would be deterred by sunlight, given that the other window was already open. But more might help. He opened the shutter, knelt down by his saddlebag, and cast a smiling glance back over his shoulder. The light from the second window had no visible effect on his visitor, but it did allow him to see very clearly that the woman in the door was neither Lallet nor actually a woman. It was some kind of other-dimensional entity 
that it assumed the shape of Lalit and stolen her clothes. Hereward hoped Lalit was still alive in the attic, just as he hoped he would live through whatever was about to occur. It's very good of your god, Narhalet Narhalit, to look after me so well, added Sir Hereward. He leaned into the window alcove and looked out as if idly surveying the ground beneath. Saying the god's name might help bring its attention to this intruder in its temple. Narhalet Narhalit is good to look after my companion, Mr. Fitz, as well. He said Mr. Fitz quite loudly, for the puppet's senses were extraordinarily sharp. If he was anywhere nearby, he would be alerted. But he was probably off in his sea cave, which meant Sir Hereward must manage on his own. The spanner, said Lalit. The thing was having trouble keeping its voice human. The strings, the parchment. Ah, yes, said Sir Hereward. He bent down to his saddlebag and began to rummage through it, removing items as he went, as if to make it easier. Let me see. Dagger needs a bit of sharpening. Another dagger. This one's not too bad. Where is that? He sensed a sudden movement behind him and spun about on his good foot, the daggers in his hands. The thing was in front of him, losing its human form as it moved, its claws reaching for his arms. Hereward parried with the daggers, felt the shock of impact, and was borne back to the window and almost thrown out of it. You will get the parchment for me! shrieked the thing. Flesh was melting off of it, revealing the scaly, skeletal beast within, a creature not wholly present on the earth, for Hereward's daggers, ensorcelled as they were, were slowly sinking through its wrists, the scales reforming behind the passage of the steel. "'Never!' shouted Hereward, quickly followed by, "'Mr. Fitz! To me! Narhalet! Narhalit! Aid me!' "'You will obey!' shrieked the beast, and bit at Hereward's shoulder. He twisted away, but its teeth raked through his nightshirt and tore flesh. At the same time, his daggers lost all purchase on the creature's wrists. Instantly, it went for him again, and he only managed to avoid its grasp by suddenly slipping down the wall and sliding between the creature's legs. He was attempting to roll away when it latched onto his back, dragged him up, and threw him on the bed. "'Remove the strings and open the parchment!' it instructed him or you shall be hurt, and hurt again, until you obey. Hereward gaped. It was not in response to the creature's command, but an inadvertent reaction to the sudden arrival of a completely naked, yet literally radiant, Lalit. Surrounded by a nimbus of the violet hue favored by her god, she burst into the room and made a swatting motion in the air, as if crushing a mosquito. A hole appeared in the creature's chest, followed by a geyser of greenish ichor that splashed the end of Sir Hereward's bed, the stained linen immediately beginning to send up small tendrils of evil-smelling smoke. Despite what would be a mortal injury to a human, the beast was not distressed. It turned away from Sir Hereward and tensed to spring at Lalit. Before it could do so, Hereward jumped up and smashed it on the head with the compendium of commonplaces, it being the only makeshift weapon close at hand. The huge brass and leather-bound book boomed like a gong as it struck the monster, and most of the tome turned to ash in Hereward's hands, leaving him clutching a ragged folio of loosely bound pages, without any binding or brass accoutrements. Hereward dropped the newly slim volume and dove for his saber. He drew it and spun about, ready to slash, but there was nothing there to hit. The creature had also turned to ash, had been picked up by a doubtlessly divine wind, and was being carried out the closest window 
to be spread to the four corners of the earth. The nimbus around Lalit faded, her knees buckled, and Hereward was just able to hop forward and catch her as she fell. However, he could not hold her weight with his injured foot, so both of them toppled back into the bed, just as Mr. Fitz peered cautiously around the doorway, a sorceress needle held in his cupped hands, its inhuman brilliance quickly dulled as he took in the situation. But as the puppet replaced the needle inside his pointy hat, the small guard with the large axe leapt up the last step, his weapon ready to use on anyone who had violated the purity of the temple's novices. But I I haven't, protested Sir Hereward. He reluctantly released Lalit and started padding out the incipient fire at the end of the bed. We didn't... What am I doing here? asked Lalit wonderingly. She had the look of someone still waking from a dream. I felt the god... Nahalet Nahalit has been here, confirmed Fitz. He looked at the guard, his little blue painted eyes sharp on his papier-mâché head. This is the god's business, Jabek, however it may appear. Aye, I feel it so, said Jabek. He smiled and added, But I'll ask you to explain it to Sister Gob. Oh, the Mandora is broken, exclaimed Lalit. She picked up the instrument, whose neck was broken, and crailed it to her. Sir Hereward wanted to give it to you for your birthday, Mr. Fitz. A birthday present, asked Mr. Fitz. For me. According to the book I was reading, sorcerous puppets have a common birthday, said Sir Hereward. The fourth day of the second month. But I am not a common puppet, said Mr. Fitz. Nor can it be said that I was born on any particular day, given my gradual ascent to full sentience over the course of my making. Besides, those other puppets have their birthday on the fifth day of the second month. Hereward shrugged, grimacing as he felt a pang from the wound in his shoulder and a renewed ache in his foot. "'I appreciate the thought,' said Mr. Fitz. "'Now tell me, this broken Mandora doubtless figures in the strange events that have just come to pass.' "'There is a triangle-folded, thrice-sealed missive inside,' said Hereward. "'Which is strange enough, and stranger still when you consider yonder book, which, until I hit that shade-walker, or whatever it was, was a much larger volume.' I remember opening the chest to pick up the Mandora, and nothing since, said Lalit. Perhaps I may take your second blanket for a robe, Sir Hereward? Pray, do not cloak your beauty on my account, began Sir Hereward. Then, as Jabek of the axe shifted noisily behind him, hastily added, I mean, please do. Mr. Fitz crouched over the remnants of the book, flipping the pages with one of Sir Hereward's daggers, He then examined the Mandora. "'It is simple enough,' he said. "'The book, which I am surprised you did not note is set in that type called sorcery, and thus highly suspect, is part of the revenge upon their creditors set in play by the sorcerer merchants of Jericho. Forced into slavery by their own economic ineptitude, they contrived to bind twinned otherworldly entities into their service. One could be constrained within a book or some such household item,' the other in an instrument, or perhaps a game set. The items would be sent separately to the chosen target, in the hope that this would enable them to bypass any sorceress protections. When both were in proximity, the bonds would release the entities, who would slay everyone within reach. But only one entity came forth, said Sir Hereward. 
and it didn't try to kill me, at least not at first. It wanted me to open the parchment that was inside the Mandora. The sorcerer merchants of Jericho were famous as inept merchants and ineffective sorcerers, sniffed Mr. Fitz. In this case, the spell was set off long ago, but due to the botched execution, only one entity was released. Realizing its twin was still entrapped within the Mandora, it had to wait inside the chest for the opportunity to make someone else release its companion. Neither Sister Gob, who initially brought you the book, nor Lalit, both being in the eye of her god, would be suitable persons to release the twin, so it came down to you. However, by breaking the item that had once held it in bond, the book, or rather the outer pages bound within these remains, you immediately banished it. But the twin is still trapped inside the Mandora, asked Sir Hereward. Indeed, said Mr. Fitz. And as, of course, it is a listed entity, albeit a minor one. Yes, said Sir Hereward. Lalit, Jobbik, if you would excuse us for a few minutes. Certainly, Sir Hereward, said Jobbik. He turned and left at once. Hereward helped Lalit to stand, holding her perhaps a little closer than was necessary. She looked him in the eye as she stood up and smiled. "'I am sorry about your vow, Sir Hereward,' she said. Her breath was very sweet, and the blanket very loose upon her body. "'I have a vow also, as do all the novices of Narhalet Narhalit, that until we are consecrated, we shall not—' "'I know,' said Sir Hereward, with a glance at Mr. Fitz. "'I mean, I know now.' "'Best you be going, Lalit. "'If it were not for the god's presence, "'reminding me of what I will become, "'I, I might have forgotten that vow,' whispered Lalit. "'Then she was gone, wafting past him. "'Hereward sighed, hopped over to his saddlebag, "'and got out a silk armband, "'a brassard embroidered with sorcerous symbols "'that shone with their own light, "'though this was faint under the sun's bright shaft "'that came in through the northern window. "'Should I fix your shoulder first? asked Mr. Fitz, as he took his own brassard out from under his hat and slid it up his arm. "'It's only a trifle. I think that Narnar has already stopped it bleeding,' said Sir Hereward. He gave a grunt of pain that lessened the effect of this statement. Twitching his shoulders, he settled the brassard above his elbow. "'I may well get another wound in the next few minutes to keep you busy. Now, will you open the parchment, and I shall strike it on the head with the Mandora?' "'Yes,' said Mr. Fitz, his slim puppet fingers reaching in through the now slack strings to pull out the sealed triangle. He held it ready, and looked at Sir Hereward. "'But first... "'I know, I know,' grumbled Sir Hereward. "'What's the thing's name? Or do I just say, summoned antagonist?' Mr. Fitz looked at the parchment for a long second. His painted eyes could see many more things than any human gaze, both in and beyond the ordinary world." Hipgrix the second. Right. Sir Hereward picked up his saber and set it ready on the bed, just in case, before holding the Mandora high above the parchment. Then he spoke, the words coming as they always did, familiar and strong, the symbols on his and Mr. Fitz's brassards growing brighter with every word. In the name of the Council of the Treaty for the Safety of the World, Acting under the authority granted by the three empires, the seven kingdoms, the Palatine Regency, the Jessar Republic, and the forty lesser realms, we declare ourselves agents of the council. 
we identify the godlet manifested in this parchment of Jericho as Hipgrix II, a listed entity under the treaty. Consequently, the said godlet and all those who assist it are deemed to be enemies of the world, and the council authorizes us to pursue any and all actions necessary to banish, repel, or exterminate the said godlet. Mr. Fitz broke the seals on the parchment at godlet, and even as the creature within boiled up like smoke and began to coalesce into something resembling flesh, Sir Hereward brought the Mandora down upon it. Both beast and instrument immediately turned to dust. Mr. Fitz gestured, and the dust blew out the window and was gone. Sir Hereward winced as he sat back down on the bed and looked at Mr. Fitz. Now, tell me, he said, why are you covered in salt? Salt? asked Mr. Fitz. It is not salt, but powdered bone and chalk. I have been digging in the tomb of some ancient, vasty creatures. It has been most interesting, though not, it is clear, as exciting as your reading. Perhaps not, said Sir Hereward. He lay back on the bed and pointed at a long wooden case that lay on the floor near his saddlebag. If you can spare yourself from your digging, what say you to a game of kings and fools? Mr. Fitz's pumpkin-sized head slowly rotated on his ridiculously thin neck, and his blue eyes peered at Sir Hereward's face. So soon after your last defeat. You are transparent, Hereward, but I doubt you have found some real advantage. The better player always wins. We shall see, said Sir Hereward. Please, lay out the set, and if you would be so kind, call down for ale. Oh, and put this back in its place, said Sir Hereward, stripping the brassard from his arm. I trust that I will not need it, at least until we reach Basingame. Best keep it near, said Mr. Fitz as he picked up the game box. There is the small matter of what I was digging for, and what I have found. And welcome back. Thus far, that's the final Sir Hereward and Mr. Fitz story. Better get busy emailing Garth Nix and begging him to write more. Hope you enjoyed it, and hey, funny, it's the end of a Sir Hereward and Mr. Fitz story, and Sir Hereward's lady love is still alive. Although she is going to a convent, so... <sighs> well, feedback this week is for Willow Fagan's The Interior of Mr. Bumblethorn's Coat, read by Marbell. This one, unsurprisingly, received a bit of a mixed review on our forum, mostly due to the surreal setting trumping the plot. El Zeus said, What a lovely, well, beautifully awful world that was. I wonder if anyone will ever write a story set in it someday. Ouch. Then Mitch came along to say, This is maybe my favorite podcastle episode to date. The world was intriguing, the narrator was engaging, and the protagonist had depth. I felt that the exotic and indifferent world of Mr. Bumblethorne contrasted well with the more traditional fantasy setting of Lavender's world. I think the book at the end was effective. The fact that Mr. Bumblethorne ends his day escaping into this kind of fantasy brings home that he always feels the weight of Lavender's duty. And Scattercat said, I love this one. A hero who refuses becomes the parasites that destroyed his world. I especially like the subtle hint that the world Fleet City moves through in ruins might well be Mr. Bumblethorne's home itself. Lovely interlocking Asherian imagery. 
Well, thanks so much for those comments. We love reading what you have to say about our stories. So let me invite all of you to visit us at forum.escapeartist.net and let us know what you thought of this week's tale. And if you dig what we're doing, please come and visit podcastle.org and make a donation. Every single cent goes to paying our authors so they don't have to rely on untrusted gifts, no matter how good the intention. Thanks. And if you can't afford to donate, please tweet, blog, tell a friend, or write a review on iTunes for us. Much appreciated. Well, that's three Sir Hereward and Mr. Fit stories we've run here at PodCastle. We hope you enjoyed each one of them. We're going to be a bit pressed for time here next week, so I want to give some great big shout-outs to the people who work here at PodCastle. First off, to the bedrock of PodCastle, our own librarian, Anne Leckie, the associate editor who's been reading story submissions from the very beginning. He's also been doing narration duties and hosting duties and all kinds of good stuff for us. She's a huge, important part of making this podcast work. Thank you, Anne. Peter Wood was bitten by a radioactive mixing board and as such has been our amazing sound producer for two years strong now. Thanks for all your hard work, man, and for being incredibly patient and encouraging. You'll always be our wingman. To my glorious co-editor and partner in crime, the one, the only, Anna Schwind, who working with the past three years and talking with her most weeks has been one of the best parts of doing this podcast for me. Even if I had to lock you up in the dungeon to make this unofficial two for 200 episode thing happen. Thanks, Anna. And last, but certainly not least, to all of you for listening. It makes us all really, really happy that we get to share these stories with you every week. Thanks. We'll be back next time with our big 200th episode extravaganza. For reals, people. Until then, give smart, give often. We'll see you in a week. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. You can discuss this episode of Podcastle or nearly anything else on our forums. Just visit forum.escapeartist.info. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Alexander Dumois said, Never fear quarrels, but seek hazardous adventures. <laughs> <laughs>